We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Away we go. Episode 635 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Wednesday, August 16th, 2023. What is the second and final day of the Commander's joint training camp practices with the Baltimore Ravens at the Ravens team facility in Owings Mills, Maryland, a team facility that is considered one of the best in the NFL. It was almost comical on Tuesday morning how much gushing we got from the people who cover the commanders about the Ravens team facility, but the gushing was understandable. The Ravens team facility is considered one of the best in the NFL. The commanders team facility is considered one of the worst in the NFL. You know, for all of the talk about the commander's next stadium, the commander's next team facility uh, matters a lot too. Uh, Washington for years has had this double whammy of arguably the worst stadium in the NFL and arguably the worst team facility in the NFL. Not a good combo, Uh, but uh, that should be changing in the coming years via the new ownership. And oh, by the way, the managing partner of the commanders, Josh Harris, was in attendance at the joint practice on Tuesday morning. So he saw up close and personal what a good NFL team facility looks like. Hello and welcome to this Wednesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. I'm not sure if this podcast would be considered the equivalent of the Ravens team facility or the commanders team facility. I'll let you decide that. But I do know that our next segment will have in-depth discussion of what went down for the commanders on day one of their joint practices with the Ravens. We did have fighting. Uh, Oh yeah, we did have fighting, but we also had what was a pretty good day for both the commander's offense and the defense. The offense got the bulk of the attention. Head coach Rod Rivera during his post-practice press conference on Tuesday morning said that he spent most of the practice watching the offense, but the offense did all right, including quarterback Sam Howell, the man being positioned to be the commander's QB1 for the 2023 season, is uh, coming along. Uh, Now, on Tuesday morning, wasn't perfect. In your next segment, we'll hear about a specific thing on which Ron wants to see Sam improve. But there also was some good stuff going on with Sam, including an increasing connection with receiver Terry McLaurin. Uh, Terry on Tuesday morning did a post-practice press conference. You'll hear what he had to say about Sam. Uh, You'll hear what Terry had to say about having played with uh, so many quarterbacks over his four seasons with Washington. You'll hear what Terry had to say about the uh, hard coaching of assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, perhaps paying off with a nice tempo that was displayed by the commander's offense on Tuesday morning. We also, on Tuesday morning, had a significant step in the recovery of tight end Logan Thomas from his calf injury. A lot of ground to cover. Uh, cover it all, we shall. Next segment, uh, during which I'll take you through key audio from Rod Rivera, Terry McLaurin, and also Ravens head coach John Harbaugh. Also on the show, I'll talk Nationals. Uh, Their three-game winning streak ended with a 5-4 loss to the Boston Red Sox at Nationals Park on Tuesday night as starting pitcher Josiah Gray was bad for a third consecutive start. He allowed five runs in three innings. He, over three starts in this month of August, has an ERA of 11-12. 
what is up with Josiah Gray, who, remember, was the Nats' lone all-star this season? Uh, what be going on with the man known as JoJo? Uh, I've got some things to say about that. And you'll hear extended comments from Nats manager Davey Martinez on what's going on with Josiah Gray. And I have some Orioles conversation for you. They lost at the San Diego Padres at 10-3 late night on Tuesday night as starting pitcher Jack Flaherty uh, got shellacked seven runs in three innings. Josiah Gray and Jack Flaherty, uh, neither guy had a good Tuesday night. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Dave in Israel on the performance of Sam Howell in the Commander's preseason opening, 17-15 win at the Cleveland Browns this past Friday night, writes Dave, watching the football team over the Ron Rivera era, the lack of solid play from our QB1s has been glaring. Uh, Last Friday's outing from Sam Howell showed us a significant change. He handled the offense efficiently and was not flustered by pressure, and furthermore, he seemed to benefit from Eric Bieniemy's play calling, which allowed Sam to move out of the pocket and make off-schedule throws. His ability to throw dimes on the run is refreshing. For context, Sam is the first QB1 in the Rivera era to actually throw a touchdown pass in his first preseason game, 2020 preseason canceled. 2021, Ryan Fitzpatrick, two series, five of eight for 58 yards, no touchdown passes, no interceptions. 2022, Carson Wentz, three series, 10 of 13 for 74 yards, no touchdown passes, no interceptions. 2023, Sam Howell, three series, nine of 12 for 70, 70 yards, one touchdown and no interceptions. Let's hope that Sam can continue to deliver capable performances and that our defense stays healthy. Hashtag HTTR. Thank you for the email, Dave. Uh, Sam played well last Friday night. Uh, Yes, it was only one preseason game. And yes, uh, multiple key Browns defensive players did not play. Uh, Edge defender Miles Garrett, corner Denzel Ward, safety Grant Delpit all did not play. But Sam did a nice job. The commanders on Wednesday morning have another joint practice with the Ravens. Uh, Then the two teams will play a preseason game at FedEx Field this Monday night. Assuming that Sam does at least okay on Wednesday and on Monday night, uh, I think that there's a really good chance that we next week will get the official declaration of him as the commander starting quarterback. And what's going to be interesting is if slash when that uh, declaration is made, does Ron Rivera say that Sam is the starting quarterback for week one? Or does Ron say that Sam is the starting quarterback for the 2023 season? Uh, There, of course, is a difference, Uh, although, as we know with Ron, he is prone to changing his mind, or at least uh, changing his uh, public stances on things. So, you know, whatever Ron does say next week, if he does say anything regarding Sam Howell's QB1 status, uh, that is uh, subject to change. Uh, Email from Chris Nace of the great law firm of Paulson and Nace uh, writes, Chris, I was wearing my I survived the Dan Snyder era t-shirt through the Boston airport and got about 15 high fives. It's pretty hilarious, actually. Uh, Thank you for the email, Chris. Uh, That is hilarious. Uh, There is a national recognition (laughs) of the joy that we as Commanders fans are feeling with the team no longer being owned by Dan Snyder. Uh, You know, I on Tuesday morning went on a sports radio show in Kentucky, uh, this to talk about uh, two Kentucky products on the Commanders, running back Chris Rodriguez Jr. and linebacker Jamin Davis. But the first question <laughs> that I got asked was about the sale of the team. There has never been anything like this in Washington, D.C. sports. This joy, this elation, this freedom <laughs> that <laughs> that we are feeling because the person was the owner of the team for a 24-plus year period that was a nightmare uh, now is no longer the owner. I don't like doing the thing of wondering whether the sale of the Commanders is bigger than when the Nationals won the World Series in 2019 or the Capitals won the Stanley Cup in 2018 because a sale versus a championship is an apples to oranges comparison. But the sale of the Commanders certainly is at the very least in the same neighborhood as the Nats winning the World Series and the Caps winning the Cup in terms of the happiness that was generated. Uh, That's for darn sure. Well, we always hope that you are happy, but uh, if you have been harmed by the negligence of someone else, if someone who you care about has been harmed by the negligence of someone else, uh, always know that the law firm of Paulson and Nace is there for you. Let Chris Nace and Matt Nace go to work for you. If you have a case, contact 
Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Call 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace fights for victims of all kinds of situations, including victims of errors made during diagnosis, during surgery, or with medication, victims of injuries caused by dangerous medications or medical devices, as well as defective auto parts, uh, victims of accidents involving cars, trucks, bikes, or motorcycles, victims of deceptive trade practices and false advertising, heck, victims of shady lawyers. If your attorney acts in bad faith, is unethical in his or her counsel, or is negligent in his or her work, you could have a claim for legal malpractice. Paulson and Nace has represented corporate clients throughout the region, and Paulson and Nace has won millions of dollars for clients. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You could also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. Just don't forget to tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Well, this is an exciting time of year in Washington, D.C. area sports, especially off the sale of the Commanders. Uh, There is a momentum with the team. There is big-time renewed interest in the team. No podcast or show covers the team like this podcast does. And so if you would like to grow your business or practice, consider advertising on the Al Galdi podcast. Podcast advertising is very affordable. Uh, much more so than radio and television advertising and podcast advertising works. Email us, see what we can do for you. Uh, the email address is the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Uh, it is, of course, a lot harder to judge how well an NFL team did in a practice than it is to judge how well an NFL team did in a game. But all things considered, the commanders on Tuesday morning, the first of their two joint training camp practices with the Baltimore Ravens at the Ravens team facility in Owings Mills, Maryland, seem to do well. Uh, Both the commanders' offense and defense seem to be solid. Uh, The team stood up for itself (laughs) on multiple occasions in terms of uh, skirmishes with the Ravens. Look, you don't want any unnecessary fighting. And head coach Ron Rivera during his post-practice press conference on Monday morning did say that he did not want any BS at these joint practices. But there's nothing wrong with standing up for yourself. The commanders on Tuesday morning did stand up for themselves. And that, to me, was a good thing. And as best as we can tell, the commanders on Tuesday morning did not suffer any significant injuries. Uh, This was a padded practice that ended up lasting for about two hours. The practice actually seemed to end earlier than anticipated, but Ron Rivera during his post-practice press conference on Tuesday morning revealed that the uh, earlier than anticipated ending to the practice had to do with the practice's tempo. Take a listen. That's that's with the tempo. I mean, this this we practice fast. I think we're like 15 minutes ahead of schedule, but that's what happens when you're when you first of all when you split it. So you're not necessarily having to to, to to flip as much as you are with trying to do different things. And so we just stayed to one field, and that was it was very quick. All right, fast is good. Uh, I like fast. Uh, receiver Terry McLaurin, uh, he did a post-practice press conference on Tuesday morning, and he talked about the fast tempo for the offense being a function of how assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy has been running things. <laughs> so to those commanders offensive players who had concerns about Bieniemy's coaching style, perhaps those concerns now have been alleviated. Uh, this was Terry. I think uh, one thing that was really impressive was uh, offensively, I feel like our tempo was really good. Um, it it kind of really uh, showed why we practice at the high intensity that we practice at. And I feel like uh, we were really got to a place where we were just very efficient. Um, but it's still the little details that are coming up for us. You know, the procedural things, EB says those are mental errors. You know what I mean? He, we can handle the 
make sure the spacing's right, make sure you're running the right route. But the mental errors we got to cut back on, myself included, you know what I mean? So those are the little things I'm looking for. I'm going to try to be critical of myself and just encourage uh, the other guys and the young guys especially, um, you know, focus on the film today. But tomorrow's a new day. It's a new opportunity. And the plays that you didn't make, you have an opportunity to come out there and change the narrative tomorrow. And uh, I think you just got to have a next play mentality. And uh, But always be in a competitive, a competitive spirit, competitive mindset because that's how the ebbs and flows of a game goes. The defense is going to make plays. You're going to make plays. And it's the team when you're going to get to the end of practice, you get a little tired. That's when the team is going to have the most successful who's going to execute and be on, on top of the little things. Yeah, the commanders on Tuesday morning did commit some penalties. Uh, we at this joint practice with the Ravens on Tuesday morning had some commanders bigwigs in attendance. Some commanders machers were in attendance. Uh, managing partner Josh Harris was at the practice. The greatest head coach in team history, Joe Gibbs, was at the practice. Uh, team president Jason Wright was at the practice. In terms of injured commanders players, maybe the most notable item was that interior defensive lineman Fedarian Mathis did not practice and in fact had a boot on his left foot. Uh, Mathis in the preseason opening win at the Cleveland Browns this past Friday night played on just six of the commander's defensive snaps due to a calf injury. Uh, Edge defender Chase Young, he in that win at the Browns suffered a stinger. Uh, He on Tuesday morning did not participate in team drills. Corner Benjamin St. Juice, who is dealing with an ankle issue, he on Tuesday morning did not participate in team drills. Tight end Logan Thomas, he has been out for more than a week due to a calf injury. He on Tuesday morning did not participate in team drills, but he did do some work on a side field. That is progress for Logan Thomas. Uh, This was Rod Rivera on Tuesday morning on Logan Thomas. It's a step for him. It's a real good step for him. And, and, you know, he's been he's been running. You guys haven't seen him, but he's been running in the uh, on the uh, Ultra G and the under uh, underwater treadmill. Um, Just taking some of that weight off of it right now. So he's trying to get his conditioning back before we get him out there. Okay, at last, some good news uh, regarding Logan Thomas and his recovery from this calf injury. Uh, As for the fighting, uh, we had Commander Center Nick Gates and Ravens edge defender Adafe Owe getting into a scuffle. Uh, We had Commander's Corner Emmanuel Forbes and Ravens receiver Tylen Wallace getting into a skirmish. Uh, Wallace uh, caught a pass on Forbes. Forbes, after the catch, reached in multiple times to punch out the football. Uh, Wallace then threw a right-handed Forbes. Forbes then fired back with his own right hand, and the fight was on. And then on the very next snap, we had Ravens tight end Mark Andrews throwing commander's corner Danny Johnson to the ground. A pass was thrown to Andrews. The pass was incomplete. Johnson picked up the football, and then Andrews grabbed Johnson around his shoulders and threw him to the ground in corkscrew fashion. Uh, Rod Rivera on Tuesday morning on the intensity of the practice. It was really good. Um, it got a little hot a couple times. You know, it gets a little chippy, and uh, we can't take it personal. You know, this this really is not about me against you. This is about us trying to develop and work together as teams. Yes, it is, but the chippiness is to be expected. Uh, each of the last two times that Washington did join training camp practices, there was fighting. Uh, August 2018 with the New York Jets at Skins Training Camp at Richmond, Virginia, fighting. Uh, August 2015 with the Houston Texans at Skins Training Camp in Richmond, fighting. Uh, more from Ron Rivera on Tuesday morning on the fighting, and then you'll hear multiple follow-up exchanges with Commander's Insider John Keim of ESPN. It can't be chippy. It can't be about yourself. It's not personal. You get beat, you get beat. You know, let's just move on to the next thing and let's focus in on what's happening, what's important. You know, we're trying to practice. Everybody's trying to get better. But, we, you know, that the chippiness you just can't have because it doesn't make sense. Did you both address the players in that? Yes, yes. Coach Harbaugh asked for me to come over to, the, to, to, to their side of the field. So I went over. Um, Coach addressed his guys. I addressed our guys, and they, they got back to it. Um, over here, you know, I, I compliment I complimented Coach because they had an, we had a situation where their guys uh, was a little a little um, out of bounds and, and made a play, and their guys came over and took care of it themselves, and and that I thought was really big, and I I told Coach I really appreciated his guys doing that. Did you guys talk beforehand about how to handle this? Yes, we talked about it, and, and what we're trying not to have is 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 a big melee that we can't get stopped. Um, that that would not make sense, and, and that's that would be inexcusable. And uh, so we're, we're trying to temper it, and we're just trying to make sure we constantly remind our guys that, hey, this is about practicing. This is nothing personal. 
Yes, nothing personal. Like Michael Corleone said in The Godfather, it's not personal, it's strictly business. It's not personal, Sonny. It's strictly business. Yes, thank you, Godfather. Uh, here was Ravens head coach John Harbaugh during his post-practice press conference on Tuesday morning on how the joint practice went. We got a lot of work done. I mean, that's the bottom line. We got a lot of work done. Uh, you know, joint practices are a challenge always, obviously, because you've got two teams out here and there's a lot of pride. So uh, we got, we, I thought it was a really good practice. You know, we had a couple dust-ups, which you don't want to see, but it's not really unexpected. I thought they got handled pretty quickly. We called the guys up there uh, on our field over there on our offensive field and uh, talked to our guys and Ron talked to their guys. And, and after that, it was calmed down. So I felt good about that. All right, so the fighting was a definite theme from Tuesday morning's joint practice, but also a theme was the performance of Commander's quarterback Sam Howell. Uh, Like I said, the Commander's offense on Tuesday morning was solid. Not great, uh, certainly didn't dominate the Ravens' defense, but what's also true is that the Commander's offense held its own. And given the up-and-down nature of the offense so far in training camp, given that a second-year quarterback with one career NFL regular season start in Sam Howell is being positioned to be the team's QB1, given the rebuilt offensive line, given that this is a new offense for the team with Eric Bieniemy in his first season with the team. Uh, I take how the Commander's offense did on Tuesday morning as a win. Uh, This was Ron Rivera on Tuesday morning on the performance of Sam Howell in this joint practice with the Ravens. I thought Sam did some really good things. There are a couple things I, I, I'd i like to see him speed his, 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 his internal clock up a little bit. I thought he could have gotten rid of the ball a couple of times when he didn't. Um, but for the most part, he made some really good decisions, good throws. Um, I really liked the way that uh, the offensive tempo was. I thought their upbeat practice is what we need to do, especially against a, a good team like uh, Baltimore. So, uh, Rod Rivera was complimentary of Sam Howell's work on Tuesday morning, but did say, quote, I'd like to see him speed his internal clock up a little bit. And quote, Ron later in the press conference got asked if the uh, slower than desired internal clock for Sam stemmed from him facing the Ravens as opposed to having been facing the commander's defense day after day in training camp. Here was Ron's answer. Yes, yes. And, and you know, because again, I think the, the security of, of, of the whistle um, is now off. And I think he's got to understand that. And, and he started too later in practice. Early on, he held the ball a little bit more than I think he should have. And I'd like to see him get rid of it quicker. You could argue that the most important trait for a quarterback to have is processing speed. How quickly does he diagnose what to do with the football? Accuracy matters a lot. Ability to extend plays matters a lot. Uh, Arm strength matters, uh, not as much as some people think, but arm strength does matter. But processing speed may matter the most because if you have slow processing speed, (laughs) then you are in a lot of trouble, okay? You are going to get sacked a lot. Now, the slower than desired internal clock for Sam Howell at times on Tuesday morning wasn't necessarily a processing speed thing. Maybe Sam just was taking too much time to unleash some of his throws while already knowing where to throw. Who knows? Uh, I would just say this an issue for Sam at North Carolina was taking sacks. He, at Carolina, did take a good number of sacks. Football analytics have shown us that sacks are far more of a quarterback stat than previously thought. So hopefully this issue of the uh, slower than desired internal clock, to whatever extent that is an issue, uh, is a minimal issue. But there was some good stuff from Sam Howell on Tuesday morning. There was one third down play on which the Ravens brought a lot of pressure, but Sam did a nice job of getting the ball out quickly to receiver Terry McLaurin for a first down. So a quick internal clock for Sam right there. Uh, This was Ron Rivera on Tuesday morning on if he has noticed a growing rapport between Sam and Terry. And then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Commander's Insider, Matthew Paris of the Washington Times. Well, I would, I would say yes. And, you know, there's a couple other guys I think that he's, he's developed pretty good rapport with. But, you know, Terry's just one of those guys that for, for a young quarterback, you're going to go back to who you think is, you know, a, 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 a good completion. And, and, and that's what Terry is. And I think that's, that's why you saw some of those things today. Yeah, Terry has kind of made it work with anyone. What does that say about him? And how rare is it to have, you know, well, Terry is special, and he understands, and he gets it, and he understands what his role is. And I think trying to create those things, uh, those relationships, he understands how important that is. 
Will the Sam Howell-Terry McLaurin connection be a bountiful connection this coming season? Boy, I hope so. Uh, We all know the deal with Terry. Uh, He's since being taken by the Redskins in the third round of the 2019 NFL Draft, has played with a ton of quarterbacks. Uh, The team in Terry's career has had 10 different regular season starting quarterbacks. 2019, Case Keenum, Colt McCoy, and Dwayne Haskins. 2020, Dwayne Haskins, Kyle Allen, and Alex Smith. 2021, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Taylor Heineke, and Garrett Gilbert. 2022, Carson Wentz, Taylor Heineke, and Sam Howell. This was Terry McLaurin on Tuesday morning on if he feels like his connection with Sam Howell has improved. And then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Matthew Paris. Uh, you know, I definitely think it has. Um, you know, we're still in, in the middle of camp and we still got some preseason, regular season to go. But I, I feel like we're building a little bit of that trust where you get some one on one opportunity. He's going to trust me to come down and make that play. And um, as myself, I just want to continue to give him that trust. You know, when you're going against a, a great corner like Marlon Humphrey and you're backside one on one, you got to win those reps so he can have that confidence in you. You talk a lot about wanting or a lot about working with different quarterbacks. I'm wondering. Yeah much you've looked at guys like Andre Johnson, guys who've made a career. Yeah. Yeah. Probably not the goal, but yeah. you kind of respect guys who yeah. have done that. I know what you're saying. Andre Johnson, um, uh, D-Hop, who's still doing it at a high level. Those are two guys off the top of, my, top of my head where they were consistent no matter who was throwing them the ball. And I think that mentality, it starts with their mentality. You know, I think it's them going out there controlling what they can control each and every week and, um, you know, making sure that their quarterback can trust them no matter who the guy's out there uh, throwing them the ball. So that's similar mindset, my mindset as well. I'm a really competitive guy. And, um, you know, I don't want to put it on, oh, it's this quarterback. It's that quarterback's fault. Like, I got to make sure I'm getting open. I got to make sure I'm handling my business. And then when the ball comes to me, no matter where it's at, I make the play. I think that's really how you gain that confidence and start growing that connection between you and a quarterback. Ten different regular season starting quarterbacks for Terry McLaurin over his four-season NFL career. And yet, Terry last season became the first Washington receiver to have at least 1,000 receiving yards in each of three consecutive regular seasons since Henry Ellard did that from 1994 through 1996. I'm really interested to see if this coming season, the problem of Terry inexplicably not getting ample targets early in games is still a problem. Will Eric Bieniemy scheme things up to where Terry is targeted early and often in games? Now, Uh, I get that a quarterback has to go where his reads take him. You can't just force throws to a player regardless of if he's the right read. But way too often in recent seasons, there have been games in which Terry has not been targeted much in first halves. And one of the things that we do know is that the team leading at halftime wins the majority of the time in the NFL. Uh, This is a tried and true thing. The team that holds the lead at the half ends up winning the game an overwhelming amount of the time in the NFL. So uh, it's not good if your top receiver isn't getting targeted a lot in the first halves of games. Uh, What about Sam Howell's command of the huddle? Hashtag take command, as we have read and heard. Uh, But one of the more interesting guests on Sam Howell on this podcast has been North Carolina football radio analyst Brian Simmons. Uh, He was a star linebacker for UNC, also was a star linebacker for the Cincinnati Bengals, also is a former NFL scout. Uh, Brian joined me on episode 573, said a lot of good things about Sam, but did say that Sam, in order to be a successful NFL quarterback, was going to have to be more of a take-charge guy in the huddle. This was Ron Rivera on Tuesday morning on where Sam is at in commanding huddles. Well, you see it because, you know, when you get in the huddle, it's about the confidence in which you you, you put the play out there. Uh, It's about your body language and how you handle and react to things that happen out on the field. Um, And he's gotten really good with that. I really appreciate the way he's handled himself. I I, I think stepping up and, and getting in the huddle and calling the huddle plays, making eye contact with each group when he talks to it, that's important. And then getting to the line and then how he's handled, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the sequences that he'll go through, gathering the information, making the calls, and then going on with the play. Okay, sounds like Sam Howell's a huddle command is progressing nicely. Uh, these joint practices with the Ravens really should do Sam some good. Ron Rivera on Tuesday morning on if there is a position that benefits the most from a joint practice. Oh, I think I think your quarterback first and foremost. I mean, they get a chance to learn a lot and see a lot. 
Um, it's a real big challenge on your defensive backs because these are a bunch of receivers that they don't know and vice versa for their guys as well. I think for the, for, for the receivers, the challenge is you're going against other guys you don't know as well. I mean, it, overall, I just think it's good for the team, period. And that does include the commander's offensive line. Uh, as we have discussed, the uh, first team offensive line had a uh, shaky performance in the win at the Browns this past Friday night. Rod Rivera on Tuesday morning on how the commander's offensive line did in this joint practice with the Ravens on Tuesday morning. I thought the line play was better. There were a couple moments I liked. I think we could be a little bit more stout. Um, you know, they do some things, some pretty good stuff. Uh, with their pressure packages and their stunts. And so we just got to be better, you know, with it. Because, again, I mean, this is, again, an established team. And that's when you practice against teams like that, there's a tone, there's a tempo that these guys always do things. And there's a reason why Coach Harbaugh's been here 15 years. By the way, left guard Sadiq Charles uh, was said to have had a very good practice on Tuesday morning. So good news there with Sadiq, with him coming off uh, his calf injury. Uh, the commanders have been doing some mixing and matching with their offensive line. For instance, center Ricky Stromberg has been working at guard the last few days. Uh, Ron Rivera on Tuesday morning on how Stromberg is doing at guard. Good. I mean, I really like what we've seen, especially on tape. You know, I thought there's some really good positives. Um, and I think the thing about it is, again, the position flex is going is to help us and it's going to pay dividends down the road. Yes, sir. <laughs> Position flex. Uh, the commanders took Ricky Stromberg in the third round of the 2023 NFL Draft. Uh, Stromberg at Arkansas played both center and guard. He was a four-year starter for Arkansas. Stromberg played for Arkansas from 2019 through 2022. He, in the 2019 season, made two starts at left guard and nine starts at right guard. And then he, for the 2020 through 2022 seasons, was Arkansas's starting center. Stromberg, in his 2022 season, started each of Arkansas's first 12 games before not playing in the Liberty Bowl. But he, over those 12 games for pro football focus, did not allow a single sack or quarterback hit. Uh, And Stromberg, over his four seasons uh, at Arkansas for PFF, allowed just four sacks. Not bad. Well, the experience of buying tickets should not be bad. When it comes to buying tickets for sports, music, comedy, and theater, the way to go is with the GameTime app. Yes, the GameTime app. GameTime offers great deals on last-minute tickets and has a best price guarantee, so you no longer have to worry if you're truly going about getting tickets in the best possible way. Uh, The game time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. And if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. What's also great about game time is how easy it makes searching for tickets. You can search by team, venue, or artist. I was just on game time looking at tickets for Commander's Games this coming season. A lot of good deals. And the seating chart next to the listed tickets made figuring out what exactly I'd be getting easy. Uh, Game time is the fastest growing ticketing app in the country. Game time is the app for last minute ticket deals. You don't have to plan months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Game time also offers flash deals on tickets and Tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. Get the tickets without the stress with a Game Time, which is offering a special deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Here's what you do download the Game Time app, create an account, and use this promo code Al Galdi. You use that promo code Al Galdi, you get $20 off your first purchase. Uh, terms do apply, but download the Game Time app, create that account, and use the promo code Al Galdi. For $20 off your first purchase. What time is it? It's game time. <laughs> Download the game time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, we now are very much in what are called the dog days of August in an MLB season. Uh, The dog days of August, when you are deep into an MLB regular season, but still have enough of the regular season left to where you can't say that it soon will be over. Uh, The dog days are when fatigue and wear and tear can set in. The dog days are when good seasons can turn bad. And the dog days are uh, not being kind to national starting pitcher Josiah Gray. He was the lone Nats All-Star this season. He was very much having a step-forward season, but he is having a terrible month of August. The Nats on Tuesday night lost to the Boston Red Sox 5-4 at Nationals Park in Game 1 of a three-game series. The Nats for this regular season now are 53-67, and second-worst record in the National League. And Josiah Gray on Tuesday night was bad, uh, really bad. He allowed five runs in three innings. He over the five innings threw a staggering 83 pitches. Uh, Gray gave up five hits, a homer, a double, and three singles. He issued three walks. He recorded four strikeouts. Uh, Gray's time in the game really was painful to watch. He, in the top of the first, allowed a run on a leadoff homer by Alex Verdugo to right field on a 1-2 pitch. For a 1-0 Red Sox lead, the homer winner projected 405 feet per stat cast. But Gray in the inning also issued a one-out 10-pitch walk of Rafael Devers, uh, despite him having been down in the count at 1.12. Josiah Gray, in fact, in the top of the first, threw 31 pitches. And that, in so many ways, set the tone for Gray's outing. Uh, He, in the top of the third, allowed two runs. He gave up a leadoff single by the Red Sox's number nine batter, Reese McGuire, up the middle. Uh, Gray issued back-to-back two-out walks of Rafael Devers and Trevor Story, and Gray gave up a two-out full-count bases-loaded two-run single by Tristan Cassis to right field for a 3-0 Red Sox lead, despite him having been down in the count at 1.12. And then Gray, in the top of the fourth, got charged with two runs off giving up a leadoff first-pitch single by Jaron Duran to right field and a double by Pablo Reyes to left field, despite him having been down in the count at 1.12. So all of these instances of batters being down 1-2, Josiah Gray not putting these guys away. And so after giving up that double by Reyes, that was it. Uh, Nats manager Davey Martinez pulled Gray from the game. Uh, Josiah Gray now over three starts in this month of August has an ERA of 11-12. Okay, (laughs) that is rough, man. ERA of 11-12 over three starts in this month of August. In fact, Three of his four shortest outings in this 2023 regular season have been his last three starts. Uh, Gray is putting a lot of guys on base. Gray is being woefully pitch inefficient. What is going on here? Uh, This was Davey Martinez during his postgame press conference on Tuesday night on what went wrong for Josiah Gray. A good chunk of the presser was spent on what's going on with Gray. Here you go. The commander of the fastball just hasn't been there, and he, he's trying to rely on too many secondary pitches. Um, you know, he gets behind, and then uh, you know he just loses loses the plate there. So, got to get him to understand that he's got to get the use of, of his fastball has got to be a lot better. Um, when he was really good, I mean, he throws his fastball down, you know, for strikes. Um, it's got some run to it, and then he can go to secondary pitches. But you know, his pitch count's getting way up there. Why do you think his forcing fastball isn't doing great? Also, so he threw some sinkers tonight, too? So I guess yeah, I mean, the sinkers are good. When it, you know, like I said, he's got to keep the ball down a little bit. Um, the sinker plays. He played, you know, like I said, he played earlier in the year a lot. Um, so we got to get him back to to just kind of trusting it a little bit more and, uh, and, and, and pounding the strike zone. You know, pounding the strike zone. Uh, hey, the strikeouts will come, you know, and, you know, and, and uh, strikes, a lot of strikeouts come when you, when you pitch deep in games. So he's got to understand that. 
Josiah is a pitcher who earlier in his career with you, you wanted to leave him in games longer to work through some things in real action. Why do you think he hasn't been able to make these in-game adjustments that are necessary? Yeah, like I said, he's just not, he's just relying on too many secondary pitches. Um, he's got to go. He's got to get in a, attack mode again. He's a thinker. Right? Oh, he thinks. That sometimes be to his detriment. That sometimes just take, yeah. just go throw what you so, need. Sometimes he's just got to go out there and. And put everything aside, and, and like I said, just attack the hitters and just you know pound the zone. His stuff is good. I mean, his stuff is really good. Um, you know, you don't get to this point, uh, especially this year. You know, being an all-star and everything, not having good stuff. So um, the command right now is a little bit of an issue. But I, I know that he could turn that around. Um, but he's got to trust. He's got to trust his fastball. Uh, start using it more and throw, throw it over the plate. You also think like they were they fell off a ton of balls tonight in the first game too. Do you think that was yeah, early innings they they did and then they, and then um, you know they did and then he got you know he got uh, in bad counts. When something like when you're noticing this trend in between starts, how do you approach it? Is it just watching film and studying? Is it actually like doing the work? Or? Yeah, no, it's, I mean he does the work. I mean, he's he's one of the hardest workers we got. And I, you know, I love him for that, and I love I love him because he he wants to compete, and he wants to get better. So we'll sit down. I'll sit down with him first and foremost, talk to him about seeing if if there's anything else going on with him, and then uh, and then after that, we'll have a conversation about what I'm seeing and uh, and see if we can get him back honed in on throwing you know strike one, uh, you know, getting the hitters out four pitches or less, and then we'll go from there. You know, one of the problems for Josiah Gray is that he doesn't have a great fastball, not by 2023 MLB standards. And that is part of why he isn't a great strikeout pitcher. But what you get with Gray is him throwing a wide variety of pitches. It's not often that a starting pitcher is really good without having a really good fastball. Uh, That he had been having a good season despite not having a really good fastball was impressive, but you know, it can be hard to sustain having a good season despite not having a really good fastball, especially if the guy loses control. And Josiah Gray lately uh, has not been displaying uh, pinpoint control, shall we say. He now for this regular season, 24 starts, ERA of 396, a whip of 1.47. Yeah, that ERA is approaching four. What you would hate to see would be for his step forward season to end in such a way to where the season unravels and it ends up not being a step forward season. Hopefully he gets back on track. Uh, he has plenty of time to get back on track, but uh, Gray uh, in a bad way right now. Well, not in a bad way is the Nats bullpen. We on Tuesday night had yet another terrific performance by this resurgent Nats bullpen, which got a key player back. Uh, the Nats on Monday afternoon reinstated reliever Hunter Harvey from the 15-day injured list, which he had been on since July 17th, retroactive to July 16th due to a right elbow strain. Uh, the corresponding roster move was the Nats optioning reliever Joe LaSorsa to AAA Rochester. Uh, Harvey had been the Nats' best reliever this season, although David Martinez, during his pregame session with reporters on Tuesday afternoon, did say that uh, Kyle Finnegan will remain as the Nats' closer. Uh, Finnegan is on fire right now. You know, Davey isn't what I like to call a slave to the save. So just because Kyle Finnegan is remaining as the Nats' quote-unquote closer uh, doesn't mean that you might not see Hunter Harvey pitching some ninth innings and uh, Kyle Finnegan pitching some eighth innings. I think a lot of this is matchup-based and, you know, where you are in an opposing team's lineup. Here's the bottom line. The two best relievers on the Nats are Kyle Finnegan and Hunter Harvey in some order. And that's how those guys will be deployed in the biggest of spots, in the most important spots. So Josiah Gray on Tuesday night lasted for just three innings, but five Nats relievers on Tuesday night officially combined for six scoreless innings. Uh, Robert Garcia officially tossed two scoreless, hitless, and walkless innings, although he did allow two inherited runners to score. Uh, But he did come into the game in a tough spot. Top of the fourth, runners on second and third, no outs, and that's holding a 4-3 lead. But Garcia did what he did. Then Andres Machado tossed a scoreless top of the sixth. Jose A. Ferrer, a perfect top of the seventh. Jordan Weems, a scoreless top of the eighth. And the returning Hunter Harvey, a perfect top of the ninth. What a job by the Nats bullpen. But unfortunately, while the bullpen kept the game close, the Nats offense uh, did basically nothing in eight of the nine innings on Tuesday night. Uh, The Nats, for the game, scored four runs, totaled just six hits, although four of the six hits were doubles. Uh, The Nats worked three walks, uh, but went just a two for 11 
with runners in scoring position. Uh, all four of the Nats' runs came in the bottom of the third. Capet Ruiz, he on Tuesday night was the Nats' starting catcher and number four batter. He went one for four with a two-run double. Uh, he was guilty of catcher's interference in the Red Sox's two-run fourth, but Capet in the Nats' four-run third had a one-out bases-loaded two-run double to right field to cut the Nats' deficit to 3-2. Capet for this month of August now is slugging 596. Outstanding. Uh, Stone Garrett, he on Tuesday night as the Nats starting right fielder and number six batter went one for four with a two-run double. Garrett in the Nats four-run third had a two-out first pitch, two-run opposite field double to right field to give the Nats a 4-3 lead. But otherwise, not a lot happening with the Nats offense in this game. Uh, Dominic Smith did have two doubles. He is the Nats starting first baseman and number five batter went two for four with two doubles. Uh, also, C.J. Abrams, uh, he is the Nats starting shortstop and number one batter went one for three with a single, a walk, and a stolen base. He, in the bottom of the first, drew a leadoff seven-pitch walk despite having been down in the count at 1.12. And he then had a steal of second base for his 30th stolen base of this regular season. Abrams became just the fifth Nats player to have at least 30 stolen bases in a regular season since the franchise moved to Washington, D.C. in the 2004-2005 offseason. Abrams in the Nats 8-2 win over the uh, Major League Worst Oakland A's at Nationals Park this past Friday night uh, did get caught on an attempted steal of second base, ending a streak of 25 consecutive regular season stolen bases without being caught. Uh, That is a record uh, for a Nats player since the franchise moved to D.C. Game two for the Nats against the Red Sox Wednesday night at 7.05. Mackenzie Gore will be the Nats starting pitcher. So one of the stranger profiles for a team in the 2023 MLB regular season is the profile of the San Diego Padres. Uh, They are considered a big disappointment at 57 and 63, and yet they have a run differential of plus 61. They have the exact same run differential as the American League leading Orioles have, and yet the O's are 74 and 46. Go figure. Uh, Anyway, the O's late night on Tuesday night uh, got smashed (laughs) at the Padres at 10-3 in game two of a three-game series. The Texas Rangers on Tuesday night did win a 7-3 victory over the Los Angeles Angels. The Tampa Bay Rays late night on Tuesday night did lose 7-0 at the San Francisco Giants. So the O's at 74-46 are two games ahead of the Rangers for the best record in the American League and three games ahead of the Rays for first place in the American League East. Uh, By the way, the Rays have been hammered by injury. Uh, Rays manager Kevin Cash in a pregame session with reporters on Tuesday night said that the Rays ace Shane McClanahan will undergo Tommy John surgery and is expected to miss not just the rest of this season, but all of next season. Uh, The Rays rotation really has been hit hard by injury. uh, And As you uh, may have heard and or read, the Rays have this mess with shortstop Wander Franco. Uh, The Rays on Monday announced that the team and Franco had mutually agreed, sure they did, uh, for him to be placed on the restricted list uh, as we on Sunday had social media posts that went viral. These social media posts alleged that Franco, who is a 22 had been in an inappropriate relationship with a minor. Uh, Anyway, a horrendous outing for Orioles starting pitcher Jack Flaherty late night on Tuesday night. Tuesday marked two weeks since the O's on August 1st, minutes before the 2023 MLB trade deadline at 6 p.m. Eastern on that day, acquired Flaherty from the St. Louis Cardinals for three prospects. Uh, He and his first start for the O's was good. He and his second start for the O's was decent. He and this start at the Padres was really bad. Flaherty allowed seven runs in three innings. He gave up four hits, a grand slam, and three doubles. He issued four walks. Uh, He recorded three strikeouts. He, over his mere three innings, threw a whopping 84 pitches. Uh, It was in 2020 that the Padres embraced the nickname Slam Diego 
because the Padres that season hit so many grand slams. Uh, well, Flaherty, late night on Tuesday night in the bottom of the first, allowed five runs, including giving up a two-out opposite field grand slam by Gary Sanchez to right field for a 5 nothing Padres lead. Uh, three Orioles relievers and a position player <laughs> then combined to allow three runs in five innings. Nick Vespi allowed three runs in two innings, but Shintaro Fujinami, Mike Bauman, and catcher James McCann combined for three scoreless innings as, yes, a position player in James McCann ended up pitching in the game. Uh, the O's totaled 11 hits, went three for nine with runners in scoring position, but scored just three runs, uh, worked just one walk. Uh, Austin Hayes as the Orioles starting left fielder and number seven batter went two for four with a solo homer and a double. Game three for the O's at the Padres Wednesday night at 8.40. Dean Kramer will be the Orioles starting pitcher. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Thursday's show, episode 635, will provide you with more on the Commanders. Also, I'll talk Nationals and Orioles. And that's on Wednesday night at 7.05 of Game 2 of the three-game series against the Boston Red Sox at Nationals Park. The O's on Wednesday night at 8.40 have Game 3 of a three-game series at the San Diego Padres. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I'll talk to you on Thursday. We're just trying to make sure we constantly remind our guys that, hey, this is about practicing. This is nothing personal. It's not personal, Sonny. It's strictly business. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.